0: Hi, I'm Brian Levy. I am a partner at Manchester Living and the host of the Manchester Living Podcast. The purpose of this podcast is to help people navigate the complex maze of elder care. There is a lexicon of elder care terms on our website at ManchesterLivingPodcast.com. Today's new and noteworthy. In recognition of the one-year anniversary of the pandemic, I would like to read a poem called The Little Boy and the Old Man by Shel Silverstein. Said the little boy, sometimes I drop my spoon said the little old man i do too the little boy whispered i wet my pants i do too laughed the old man said the little boy i often cry the old man nodded so do i but worst of all said the boy it seems grown-ups don't pay attention to me and he felt the warmth of a wrinkled old hand i know what you mean said the little old man Whether it's a neighbor, or a client, or a friend, or a grandparent, reach out to your elders. Say hi. Let's jump in. Today's topic is taking care of business, elder law, and what to do to have all of your affairs in place before it's too late. We identified the need to discuss both the value of planning ahead as well as the need for expertise in crisis planning. There are three parts of a plan. The goal, the plan, and the execution. Life expectancy is on the rise, in part due to modern medicine. In 1945, the average person lived to be 65 years old. In 1990, it went up to 75, and in 2020, 95 years old. 70% of people over 65 will need some form of long-term care during their lives. We started an advertising campaign recently called Let's Have the Talk. And it's much like we had the talk with our children about the birds and the bees, now it's time for adult children to have the talk with our parents about elder care. My guests today are Jeff Court with and Morris Financial Advisors, Certified Financial Advisor, and Steve Holman with Holman Law, Estate Planning and Elder Law Attorney. I'm excited to have you all here today.
1: Thank you. Yeah,
0: thanks for having us. So let's talk about how to have the talk. Discuss with family and friends first,
1: correct? Definitely. It's, a, it's not a limitation of who in the family or which friends you're going to pick. You want to make sure that your wishes are explained, right? Sometimes that talk comes from the adult children telling their parents. More often, the parents already have a plan, and they're going to tell their kids when they're ready to have that discussion and what they're going to talk about. And the battle ensues. And it can. It certainly can. Right. And I would tell you that it can be lots of different people who might be in that conversation, Besides just the adult children and the parents, so let's address that, Steve. Who should be part of that conversation?
2: Yeah, so you know, I see two sets of families in my in my office. Uh, one are the families that have planned ahead, and the other group is the family in crisis, and the options are limited for those. So, the folks who should be in that conversation are the ones who are going to be making decisions, or the ones who have the ability
0: to um, monitor and, and and be responsible for those parents. So let's talk about. Um, Responsibility. There's medical power of attorney, fiduciary power of attorney, and how is that um, explained to the family? And who decides? Yeah.
2: So typically, when a family comes in my office, they've got that goal in mind. Hey, my parents can no longer live independently. There's this. There's a potential for losing the ability to take care of themselves. There's a risk, a danger, and so they need to be able to access. Uh, potential assets to be able to pay for that care, or they need to be able to make decisions. So, the medical power of attorney, a financial power of attorney, um, a health directive for an end of life decision making are some of the kind of the, the foundational documents that we need to then allow them to get in touch with folks like Jeff to actually be able to use those assets for
0: the good. Great. Yeah. So, who do you include in that conversation?
2: Yeah. So, it's, it's, Usually, adult children. Um, it can also be the healthy spouse. Um, it could be siblings. Um, an often uh, common person is a neighbor, someone who um, is kind of on the lookout for maybe a, uh, an individual who doesn't have family close by. Uh, and, you know, it's really anyone that has a genuine care and anyone who um, has a sense of, of responsibility and, and acumen to kind of. responsible for this person
1: we don't want to have five of the same power of attorney right we don't have people fighting over that spot but at the same time we may want to have more than one person know who's in charge and what they're in charge of and making sure that delineation is is clear what is the best way to initiate that conversation i don't know that there's a one best way but certainly approaching an attorney or a certified financial planner is a good way to get that started to know where that goes. Sometimes it's going to be the adult parent who says, I wanna have this discussion with these people and I want my ground rules in place, right? Other times, and oftentimes, someone in their 40s, what we talk about a 40-70 rule. When you're 40 as an adult, you might talk to your parents at their 70s. Here's, we, we should be having that conversation. They may not be ready for it. They may want to talk, not want to talk to you about it, but that's a good time to have that discussion. And when the 40s are making that comment and maybe mom and dad are listening or not, uh, they may find out right away, well, we already have that in place, or we don't want to have that discussion with you. We're actually going to use our next door neighbor who's local that we've trusted and known for, for many years. A lot of this is
2: the dynamic between the family members and, and
1: that history goes back since the day they were little
2: kids. And I always will mention to my clients, you know better than I do how to talk to your mom or your dad. Um, you know, great example are parents who have not shared their financial condition with their children for many years and, and they're very reluctant to not, not only give up that information, but also to give up their own independence. And so one strategy may be to tell them, hey, if you do nothing, here are the alternatives. This is what this looks like if you do no planning. Um, do you want that? If you don't, then these are some steps we're recommending now. Um, the power of attorney does not always mean that they are giving up authority. They're just getting another set of eyes to look over their shoulder, um, and that can be very valuable for them as they, as they age.
0: Sure, and you hit on such a key word, it's independence. Yeah. And, and, and you know, adult children with aging parents struggle with, they wanna keep their parents independent, and parents want to be independent, but there's a balance. So how do you address that?
2: Yeah, it's, it's tough. Um, I think our minds are, are different than what our bodies... Um, you know, what's that saying? Our, our, our minds are writing checks our bodies can't cash. There you go. Right. <laughs> so um, you know that, that's going to be a dynamic uh, at some point. And I think the independent aspect, the way I try to lean into that from a mindset standpoint is you are taking control of your future. This is you exerting your independence by making these plans today. Uh, because at some point for all of us, we're not going to be in a position to do that. Sure.
1: Yeah, I would say that in, in general, when we're making those decisions, we need to make sure that we're clear about who can make that decision when, right? So while I'm still independent, uh, that I'm, I'm getting to do that for myself. And the adult children may want to choose to help find out that we're not as independent as we think we are, and that can cause complications. So having those conversations regularly and staying open on both sides is important. Uh, Some adult children are looking for when mom or dad is slipping a little bit or, oh, you forgot that? We need to take over the power of attorney. And that's not how that typically should work. Sure. Yeah. So what are some cognitive and physical clues that it's time to start having that talk? That's a great question. So hopefully we're visiting in person, not that it's required, but when we're in person, when we see the room or the house where we're living, is it clean? Is it cluttered? Are we seeing any... Uh, things that are looking like they're not as as uh, consistent as it used to be. Those are, are good ways to, to start out. And then also conversations via Zoom, on the phone, live. You need to be watching for what what uh, what kinds of changes are happening in their lives uh, that they can offer. And mom and dad are probably looking at their kids the same way. Are, do you see anything like that? Sure. So they want to make know, sure. You're
0: safe. probably strategic in scheduling the meetings where you probably... Pro- them to say, hey, let's meet at your house
1: so you can get a lay of the land. I love that. It's not required, certainly, right. but when they're in their own environment, they're much more comfortable, right? That's mm-hmm. important. And then on the other side, we can also see that what's going on a little bit easier as well.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, financial planners, accountants, um, trusted advisors that meet with individuals regularly can be a great resource for the family who may not be local and, you know, they can so long as there's power of attorney in place, you know,
1: reach out to the family and say, hey, you know, we've noticed this, you know, here's a heads up. We use a, a, a term called trusted contact in, in our industry where it, they don't have power of attorney, but if dad seems like he's slipping and he's forgetting some stuff, I can call the trusted contact and ask if there's been any changes that they've seen. Now, dad or mom or whoever it is would have had to give authorization to that person, but it's somebody they trust so that they're not going to be put to pasture or they'll lose their power of attorney on, on their own until that's yeah. occurred.
2: And, and what happens that what I see in my office around the holidays, Thanksgiving, Christmas, we get the family that's come in to visit and they're like, there's been a lot of change here. I've talked to them on the phone, but I didn't realize that the newspaper's not being brought in, that the bills are stacking up, right. um, and we got to do something. And you know, hopefully there's time, but sometimes there's not. And that's where the trust Crisis advisors mode.
0: can come in and, and kind of be that, that that second set of eyes. Sure. Yeah. How is Medicare, Medicaid, and long-term care insurance policies come into play during this whole time? Yeah, do you want to tackle that first, do you want me to? Also, uh,
1: so long-term care is a place where I play. Medicare yeah. and Medicaid, I'm going to pass right over there. Uh, although we, uh, we, we <laughs> work we the same sure. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so long-term care uh, can happen in lots of different ways. It's the idea that we need more help than we can do for ourselves. Oftentimes, just in custodial activities, I can't dress myself, or I can't uh, get in and out of bed on my own very easily. Uh, the, the activities of daily living are something that we watch for and, and we're careful of. If we have a need like that, we might bring in assistance, not different from what Manchester can provide, right? right? Exactly. And the idea that that can be done you know an hour a day, or an hour a week, or four hours every other day, or 24 by seven, those levels of care that are needed are are different for different people at different times. And we wanna make sure that we can help with that. And one of the ways that we do that is through insurance policies and through the governmental insurance policies like Medicare and Medicaid.
2: You know, um, three ways to pay for long-term care, private pay, long-term care insurance, and government programs. Private pay and long-term care allow for that higher higher level of care, <clears throat> and you know, with most folks preferring to stay at home, those two options allow them to you know, bring in an in-home care uh, person, and and that's typically the preference for not only the individuals but the family. It creates continuity in a familiar place, um, and you know, so we really try to start with the planning at those two options. Can they afford to private pay? Do they have a long-term care insurance policy? Because that gives the most options for the best quality of care. And then we plan out and we say, gosh, if, if the care is gonna last five, 10 years, how long do our resources last? How long does the policy last? And then we plan the safety nets of the Medicaid, the VA benefits potentially, um, and just try to kind of plan worst case scenarios from there. Sure. And on our side,
1: we're hoping that we don't get to those two spaces yeah. and that we've planned for our, our goals and our needs and our wants to include care for long-term.
0: Sure. I'm glad you brought up VA benefits because I get asked a lot about that. Do You want to address? Sure. Yeah. So VA benefits are
2: a, there's a, there's a pension program for veterans who serve 90 days during an active war period. And those dates are are established by the VA. Um, A married veteran can receive about $2,500 a month tax-free that can be applied for long-term care. Uh, The surviving spouse is also eligible. Um, The general requirements are military service a need with assistance for activities of daily living, and then they have to satisfy some financial requirements. Um, There are some ways to legally um, allow someone to become qualified who may not be qualified on the surface. Um, The nice thing with VA benefits is that those funds get direct deposited into your account, and then they can be used for uh, any type of of need or service that that person requires. So it's very flexible. And again, it can be home care, it can be assisted living, it's,
0: it's a lot of options. And tell me about the criteria to, uh, to be considered for VA benefits.
2: Qualify. To
0: qualify the financial requirements?
2: Yeah. So there's kind of a two-prong test. Uh, one is you can't have assets that are countable by the VA over about 130000 Okay. Okay. Now, your primary residence is not countable. Your car is not countable. Kind of similar to Medicaid. The income requirement is a little different. So they look at what your unreimbursed medical expenses are. So if you have a long-term care insurance policy, it's kind of a good idea just to kind of wait. Not use that yet. Yeah, just wait, save that one for the rainy day. Um, Use the unreimbursed medical expenses against what your income is. And so the VA will say, gosh, if you made $3,000 a month and your unreimbursed medical expenses are $3,000, we show on our calculation a zero, zero net gain. So you'll be eligible for that full $2,500. Now, if you are only spending $2,500 a month and you have $3,000 in income, you have a $500 gain in the eyes of the VA. They will reduce that pension dollar for dollar. So instead of $2,500, you're only getting $2,000. So when we try to plan for VA, we want to make sure we can show that unreimbursed medical
0: expense as high as your income. And so that's part of the planning process to maximize that benefit Very interesting. yeah. So as an attorney, what haven't I asked you that I should be asking you? <laughs> you know. A lot of this, and going back to Jeff's point, it's, it's getting the
2: right people in place. And then when you have the right people identified, how are they gonna have access to your assets? Uh, a lot of folks have a DIY approach where they're like, hey, we're just gonna put each other on these joint bank accounts and I can write the checks and we'll be good. And you know, that's, that works, but there's some risk to that. If you're on a joint bank account, that other person now is part owner and their creditors can reach those accounts and that may not be what you plan for. Um, the other issue that comes up is we have a caregiver child who's close to mom or dad and they're involved in the caretaking spending the money and you have other siblings who may be out of state yep. and you've got two different stories kind of being created in each of their heads. You know we have the caregiver who feels that either they're the hero or they're um, the victim right they've been forced upon or I'm doing this for them and I, I, I've earned this and the other children don't have the full picture. And when it comes time to administer the estate, there can be some, some um, you know, adversarial uh, conversations there about what happened. So the moral of the story is, plan ahead. Plan ahead. Have a conversation. Make sure that you're all on the same page with your financial advisor, the caregivers, uh, anyone else involved in your process.
1: Sure. Yeah. And, and not just plan ahead, but plan and replan often. Right. Yeah. So. So the plan may change. It definitely will. Yeah. Right. People come in and out of our lives. Uh, finances make you know changes. Sure. Our health mm-hmm. makes you know has differences that go over the course of time, and so we need to make sure that we keep those things current. Oh we might get divorced or remarried or take on another friend. uh, And And there might be financial implications to all of those things as well. right.
0: So as a financial advisor, what haven't I asked you that I should be asking you?
1: Well, I think that uh, there's a great set of information along with long-term care of how we pick what we're doing and why we choose a policy to work for us or not. I tell folks that if you've got Less, just make a big heuristic. If you've got less than 300 grand or you have more than 3 million, uh, you probably are not a a candidate for long-term care insurance. You probably aren't gonna buy when you only have 300 because you're gonna spend it down and we'll go to one of the other policies. If you have more than 3 million, you may not need to use uh, an insurance policy. You might just do it out of your own resources. That said, between 300,000 and 3 million is an awful lot of people who could use that benefit. And I have a lot of folks who are over $3 million and say, yeah, I know I don't need it for that, but I'm a little more conservative. I'd rather have that. And so then there are a lot of options over on that high-end side, right? Maybe we buy an annuity or an insurance policy uh, for for my life that that covers costs and we can borrow from, or we use a long-term care policy. And in a long-term care policy for those folks that fit inside there, there are so many Variables associated with it. How much do I need to make it inflate each year? Can I make changes to that? How many years am I going to live, and do I need to to protect for all those things? And so, making sure that those that myriad of 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 options are there are are considered very carefully. Sure. You know, Jeff, that's a good point.
2: Um, We don't know how long someone is going to need the long term care, (laughs) Um, and we don't know what level they're going to need it as as it goes along, and that's that's a challenge when we get folks who are trying to plan a crisis. You know, we just got diagnosed with this condition. They're going to need assistance with walking. There's some initial, there's some early onset dementia. Um, And so we know it's going to cost us X. I said, okay, well, the doctors told you how this is going to progress over time. What's the estimate? Are they going to need more services? And how do you factor that in and I think that's a great time to you know, talk to Jeff and understand what the policies cover and what their other assets are doing
0: yeah. and how it's almost a stress test. You're running a stress test on their assets. Planning is important. Yep. Planning in crisis mode is not advisable.
2: It's <laughs> tough, right? Emotions are involved. You and, can't, you're
0: and, right. It's like cramming for a test. Yeah, exactly right. Not a good idea. Yep.
1: But it happens a lot. It does. It, does. it
0: really does. It does. And families that I talk to on a daily basis, we talk about, well, how do I afford that? And I, I tell families, this is what your rainy day fund is for. That's exactly right. It really is. Yeah. It's elder care. Yeah. So very helpful. Thank yeah. you both for being here today. Sure. Um, I'm going to move on to the next segment of the show called The Nugget. And I'm really excited to feature uh, Anita Mapungo for National Caregivers Appreciation Day, which was February 21st. Anita is a manager in one of our care homes. And I wanted to recognize Anita and all of the caregivers around the world for being the real angels in our industry.
3: We are spending 12 hours a day with these people who have... I mean, over the year have become like our family because their family was not able to come and see them. And so when you spend that amount of time with somebody, you're bound to know everything about them and even things that even their daughters and sons and grandsons didn't even know. And so um, I think it's especially important to remember how unique everyone is. Especially at our house, we have have old ladies. We don't have any gentlemen just yet. Um, But we know each and every one of them because they're unique. Just like you're unique, just like Sandy's unique. I'm unique in my own way. And so we have certain residents that when they're starting to feel, you know, a bit agitated or low, when you just play some music that they liked back in the day, music from the 40s or 30s, I mean, you would just see them light up. And we have residents where we have uh, Dean and Sandy bought us some some baby dolls, some pretty baby dolls. We have residents that when you just give her the baby doll, they feel like they're holding their grandbaby or their oh, son. So it's 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 amazing that we you know, when you get to spend this much time with them, you know that Mrs. Smith is, she just wants you to sit with her and just ask her, how growing up in Arkansas was. We have a resident that she will talk to you about, you know, how she grew up and when she got married, the first car she drove. I mean, just that 15 to 20 minutes of sitting there and listening, I mean, it changes her whole day. It makes her whole day. So it's just about, I mean, like I said, we spend 12 hours with with, with these ladies every day. And so we are bound to know what they like and what they don't like. and So, it's been a blessing.
0: Anita, we're real proud to have you on the Manchester team. All right, guys, it's time for the lightning round. This is one of my favorite parts of the show. Are you ready? Ready. As ready as we're gonna be. (laughs) Right, Jeff, how long have you lived in Dallas? 26 years. Steve, as an attorney, scale of one to 10, how good are you at keeping secrets? I'm a nine. Nice, good to know. It's my kids, I can't keep secrets from them because I gotta tell their mom. Fair enough. Jeff, last vacation
1: destination. Uh, We went to Colorado in August.
0: Good for you. Where did you go to college, Steve? I went to Willamette University. Where's that? Salem, Oregon. Salem, Oregon. Jeff? Beautiful. I'm an Indiana University graduate. Of course. How many attempts did it take for you to pass the Series 7? (laughs) Just one. That a boy. How long did it take you to pass the bar? You know, I, I did it first
2: time in California and Texas. And I have to say that my wife told me that she was pregnant when I was driving down
0: to Austin to take that right before that test. So no pressure. No pressure whatsoever, <laughs> exactly. Who's your celebrity crush, Steve? Oh, I gotta go with my wife, she's my celebrity. Wow, well played.
1: Yeah. Well, as, as much as him. I love my wife, uh, Stevie Nicks. Nice, <laughs> Yeah. okay, of
0: course, the music buff. She knows. Right. Yeah. Jeff, Mac or PC?
1: I'm a PC person.
0: Steve, Surfer turf? I'll go turf. Jeff, favorite snack food?
1: Oh, chocolate
0: anything. Chocolate anything. Steve, second language? No, I'm a little Spanish. That's about it. If you could go to space today with no guarantee of returning, would you go? I wouldn't. I would keep it here. Yeah, stay yeah, here with the yeah, family. Stay Jeff? The family. Yeah, not a chance. I'm shocked. Yeah.
1: Wow. Both of you, can you write in cursive? Only my name. Yes. Oh, clearly. Can you really? Yeah. Wow. My handwriting was bad when it started and it's that bad now, but it's in cursive. Right.
0: <laughs> well, I do the lightning round to give my viewers a better opportunity
1: to get to know you
0: guys. Um, other than that, what's the best way for my viewers to reach you, Jeff?
1: So you can reach me on our office number, 972-692-0909, or my cell. And I don't give it all the time, but I almost all the time <laughs> I do. 972-333-0809. In this world, well... You know, We're not in the office all the time, but I'm pretty accessible you that are way. pretty accessible. Steve? Yeah, my office number is the
2: best. Um, 972-474-7828. And uh, you can
0: schedule an appointment with me for a free initial consultation. Very well. Yeah. Well, thank you guys for being here. I really appreciate it. Um, I am the host of this podcast, and you can see the podcast on Facebook at Manchester Living Podcast. You can find us on the website at manchesterlivingpodcast.com. And of course, I have a face radio, so you can dial us up on iTunes at Manchester Living Podcast. Thanks for joining us today. If there's anything I can ever do for you, please don't go back to Google. Call me, 214-649-9922. Thanks for joining us.